We've got a big announcement, girlies. We're going on tour. We're going on tour. We're hitting the road, Jack. Woo! So don't you come back no more, no more. We're bringing our tour. That's showbiz all that's over showbiz. Ireland. You have to say it like that. Well, oh, but I that's can't sing. Showbiz. That's showbiz. That's <laughs> showbiz. You have to say it like old, old-timey American. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it I'll work on it we, we, That has to okay. feature In the show okay, I'll work on it I'll work on it We're coming to Name them A city near you We're going to Cork Limerick Galway Belfast And Dublin Yeah sorry about the Midlands But we can't drive And we need to be accessed by train We don't really know Any of those com- Sorry our, our, <laughs> our geography knowledge Of that part of Ireland Is limited But if you want to come see us Go to ticketmaster.ie And Take get your tickets Because they're flying out The door girls And our girlies In the UK and Australia Don't worry because there's exciting dates coming soon. Yeah. Keep the eyes peeled. That's keep all we'll say Keep the eyes and ears or peeled. And the ears, because you yeah. might hear it on here again. Do you keep your ears peeled? Keep the ears clean, I would say. Anyway, maybe. we're waffling. Anyway, also, link in the episode description on how to get your tickets. Exactly. See you then. See you, girlies. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We all have a digital carbon footprint as well. So you know the way, like, on nights out and stuff like that, like, you never take one selfie, you take 10, right? And they're all, they're all almost... <laughs> 20. Oh, DJ's case, 30. <laughs> 30. You, have to get, you have to get the options in, you know what I mean? But I do delete them afterwards. Because then I don't... Because I don't want people... I always think of if I died, right, and someone was going through my phone, they'd be like, Jesus Christ, he was narcissistic. So I delete them all and just leave the one. So it just looks like I took the one. Good. Okay, well, that's the way to do it, right? Do that is mean? the way to do it. Do so let, let us all yeah. lean into um, our, um, our narcissistic nature and make sure that we're just... Just taking the best photo, but then we're we're getting rid of all the rest. It's your favorite queers back in your ears. It's I'm Grandman. Hey girlies, I'm Kevin. And I'm PJ. And welcome to a very special bonus episode of I'm Grandmam. Woo! H2, oh my god, it's Science Week. <laughs> I'm so excited. I feel it's... like my inner nerd is reveling in this experience. Get the Bunsen burners out, girlies, and get that yeah. periodic table on the wall because we're celebrating Science Week this week. You won't believe this. Wow. And my brother can vouch for me, right? In my childhood bedroom back home, inside my wardrobe door, <laughs> I nice. have... A poster There's no of eyes. the periodic table of the elements. <laughs> and you know what, girls? I'm not mad about it. I love it. It kind of gets you going, though, does it? <laughs> Come here. This is the first time we've ever done a bonus app. I know. It feels nice, though. I fe- I'm like, oh, my God, more bonus apps to follow if you're good. I, I kind of love it. I'm kind of like, look at us doing bonus content. Also, I think rules are out the window because it's the bonus app, you know? Basically, girlies, we're doing this bonus episode because it's Science Week. Woo! And we're working with Science Week to bring you all the facts, all the stats, <laughs> all the iconic info that you never knew you needed to do with the world of science. Getting girlies, we're being scientists, and the theme for this episode is the climate crisis. Alexa, play World of Our Own by Westlife. Woo! World of Our Own by Westlife from Apple Music. Yes, it's Let's a bomb. Get off those stools. Give us a Shoulders little Shoulders are going. Four, three, two. Make me feel funny. Step, click, step, when click, you come around, step, That's click, what I found now, honey. Shake it. Is this Shane? Oh. Is this Shane? I don't know which one it is. 
Or Nikki, or, or who's the other one, Mac? Who's the gay for that, Mac? It's always Mac. Mac or Shane. The other two are lovely, though. This is a bridge. Isn't Lindsay it? Lindsay was a huge Wesley fan, wasn't she? Oh, babe, she loved. Sarah was too. Ready? We've got a little world of our own. No one else knows. Okay, stop her. Alexa, stop. <laughs> uh, Lindsay was obsessed <laughs> with Westlife, but that needs to be its own episode on Crazy Fans. Oh, why don't we do a Crazy Fans app? We kind of did already, but we, we can do another one. Oh, did we? What did we do one? Boy Bands and Girl Bands app. Perfect, write that down. I can feel... Ye panicking, girlies. Don't worry, me and Kevin are not going to tackle an, a science episode about the climate crisis without getting an expert on. <laughs> well, I could have. Well, no, you couldn't. I could have attempted. <laughs> With a bit of research, and if I popped yeah, up I, my goggles and lab coat. I know, but I just like having a chat, you know. I'm I'm yeah. a, I'm an audiovisual learner. Absolutely. Right, so what we did was we enlisted the help of an actual science expert, and they're going to be the ones talking us through... All things, I keep just saying all things science. <laughs> all things science. To the introduction. Fergus McAuliffe is an award-winning science communicator and holds a PhD in environmental science. He is the communications and public engagement manager at ICRAG, the Science Foundation Ireland Research Centre in Applied Geosciences based at University College Dublin. Hello, Fergus. Welcome, Dr. Fergus in the building. How are we doing, everyone? Good to see Good. Are, are we you a doctor? You- yeah, doctor, right? Yeah, you can if you want, but most people just call me Ferg, so I'm happy with that too. No, but like, sorry, no, now, if I, went to, if I went away and got a PhD, I'd be like, you better call me fucking doctor. You know what I mean? So we're calling you Dr. Fergus for the rest of the... Okay, part. I'm cool with that. All good. Would you not include it, it on is. your name title there, doctor? You know the way, if I was doing a Zoom and I was a doctor, I would, I would literally just be putting down doctor. I wouldn't even give my name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's always a temptation to include it on the flight, but I reckon, you know, you know, like when you're filling oh, out the yeah. thing, but I reckon yeah. that's just going to do more harm than good because, like, you know, I'm not qualified to save anyone's yeah. life. Oh, yeah, because imagine if the plane was going down, they were like, anyone to talk to you? Like, me, but I literally can't actually <laughs> save your life, but I can tell you, like, what damage the plane is doing to the environment exactly. as we're on it, yeah. you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for joining us. We're talking all about the climate crisis, which yeah. feels very overwhelming and also feels very close to home at the moment because um, it's really affecting Cork at the moment with all the flooding that's happening. Um, and I was reading up on it, but it's just like, it's good to just have an expert in the room, like, is the Cork flooding that happened um, a climate issue or is it more of like an infrastructure issue where we have to like kick the city council up the hole kind of Yeah, way? is it is it the Cork County and city council? Because it's due to heavy rain, obviously, but they just pass in the buck kind of thing. So it's a bit of both really is what it is, right? So like if you if you think about it, right? So climate change, one of the things that's happening there now is that the is that the planet is getting warmer, right? And warmer air mm-hmm. can hold more water than colder air. So that means then that essentially there's more there's more water in the sky that can fall down, right? And in the case of the particularly bad floods in Middleton, right, um, in East Cork that happened oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, they um, that was a combination of many different types of flooding that all essentially happened at the same time, right? So you can have flooding from groundwater, which is groundwater in the soil. You can have flooding from rivers. You can have flooding when the sewage system gets... Um, gets overburdened and overrun and you can have flooding from the tide and in Middleton just from where it is and where it's located yeah. and after months of heavy rain essentially all of those types of flooding all happened 
at the same time, oh. which is quite unusual. Um, but then alongside that, you know, there, there, there are many examples of where flood relief works have been installed in cities and towns um, around Ireland and also around the world. And they have worked quite well. In the case of Middleton, they're just not quite there yet. You know, they still have to go through the planning okay. process and stuff like that. So it was a case of, you know, not having the infrastructure in place yet on top of okay. honestly like three months of like torrential rain where the soil was at, yeah. was absolutely saturated and then you had this huge huge downpour which came in and storm by bet so mm. it's a mix of both really so we kind of we need to tackle it at both angles really like we need to start looking after planet because it's only going to get worse but then also get on to people and start putting infrastructure in place exactly yeah you know like like it's a it's um it's really a mix of both i think one thing that you know um I think people find interesting, but something that Medairn have done in the last few years, like, do you remember when we were young, you know, like none of the storms had names, right? It was just, it was just bad weather. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and. Oh, didn't they? No, no, no. This, Is that a new it's thing? It's a new thing. It's about maybe, I'm going to say maybe seven or eight years old now in Ireland anyway, right? Mm. And so when we were younger, you know, there's bad weather and, you know, like it might only hit you like if you had a match cancelled or if you couldn't go out for uh, out for a break at lunchtime right but a number of years ago Medair and teamed up with the UK Met Office and um and the Dutch as well and essentially they have a naming system in place there now to name the storms that come in and of the storms that um that you know may hit this year so Ireland has named six of them and they're um they're Agnes Fergus, which I didn't actually set up this year, but, oh, but there you go. go on. No wonder you have such an interest in it. I know if yeah. if Storm Fergus hits, I'm wondering. I'm like, do I want it to be a really bad one that everyone remembers, or one that just kind of flies by pretty quickly? Oh, I know what no you harm. mean. Yeah. And then you've Jocelyn, you've Kathleen, you've Lillian, um, Nicholas, and Vincent, and they're all actually named after after Irish scientists. But but this idea oh. of 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 personifying a storm, um, it's almost like anthropomorphizing a storm. You know, you're taking taking storm and putting human qualities on it. It's actually incredibly useful. It makes it much more memorable and people are a lot more likely to take mm -hmm. action. Um, when I was doing research on this, like so the Americans had been naming storms for years and years and years, even though it's relatively new in Ireland, but one of the interesting things is that when the Americans back in the 60s and 70s started to name storms, they exclusively used stereotypical female names, right? So all all storms oh. were essentially, um, they had female names. And they did that for about 10 or 20 years. And then they then they changed it and they and, and they started to introduce a mix of male and female names because what they what the research had had shown, and I think this is fascinating from like a human psychology point of view, is that yeah. the female named storms caused worse damage right oh. and it's and it and it's not that they were worse storms is that for whatever yeah. reason everyone when it was a female naming storm they didn't prepare as well as if it was going to be a i knew storm. you were going to say that i knew you were going to say that because they were named after women that they weren't taken seriously and i was going to snap like isn't it mad that misogyny like seeps into stuff like that even you know yeah. that's insane yeah, it's apps like you know like it's absolutely nuts like i could like i couldn't believe it when i was reading it i think thankfully you know now that we have a mix of male and female names i think we've finally gotten over that i think it's an insight into the human psyche that prevailed at the time that if it was if it, if it was a storm that was named after female that people wouldn't prepare as much mm. that's absolutely crazy isn't it imagine just uh, hearing the name and going oh that doesn't seem too threatening yeah yeah <laughs> literally like stephanie storm stephanie doesn't sound like she's gonna do much damage <laughs> like you know that's but it is it is it's so clever that they're doing that though because it does i do 
do my mom talks way more about the songs when they're named after you but it's marketing like isn't it absolutely but also in terms of like how how this plays out on social media in particular you know like hashtag storm Kieran, storm about it uh, storm by bed it's so much easier to actually track what's happening with a storm when uh yeah. when there's a name on it as opposed to just like hashtag storm or hashtag bad weather you know that could apply to anywhere in, in the world so well that makes so yeah. much sense yeah jeez i didn't even think about it from the social media angle who do I need to speak to about getting a Storm PJ in the works? It has to wear thigh-high leather boots and talk you know about his hair constantly. <laughs> I don't talk about hair constantly. <laughs> uh, but on that, on you're saying like not taking um, stuff serious and stuff. There is sometimes, I, it's not like I don't take um, the climate crisis serious. For me, I, I, I get quite overwhelmed. But we, when we were talking to you before this episode you were saying like the little things that we do every day really do matter you know do you want to talk a bit about like what people can do in their every every day to like help yeah absolutely you know you know so this is a mix really of you know like of people taking individual responsibility both in terms of you know how they act but also you know we are all we are all still powerful in this in terms of the companies that we engage with in terms of who we vote for in terms of you know how we how we engage how we engage with decisions that are being made and stuff so it is like it is very easy and i completely empathize with you that sometimes you're just like okay you know there's you may feel that there's very little that you can do but you actually can in terms of um how you act in particular with your consumer choices so like if you take the things for instance like coffee cups right you know the way on the takeaway coffee cups you'll see down kind of written down the side you'll see you know this cup is is recyclable right and while it is right um it's only kind of recyclable under certain circumstances because when you look into a takeaway coffee cup you know that sheen that's on the inside right that kind of glossy sheen that's the, yeah, the that's polyethylene right and that's essentially a skin that's put on it to keep the cup from disintegrating when you put water into it right and um but that sheen makes makes it actually quite hard to recycle unless unless it's going to a specialist facility um and also then going to a specialist paper mill after that that can actually do it right the compostable ones are slightly better, you know, because um, you see takeaway coffee cups that are written uh, kind of down the side, you know, this this cup is compostable. And that can be compostable in everything from like a waste facility, but all the way to the brown bin that you have at home, you know, like in your own house. But, you know, something that I think that we need to push for then in terms of what we can do and pushing for things um, like there's not many brown bins like if you walk around the street in ireland right you know like or any capital city really there's very few actual brown bins you know where you can put that compostable coffee cup which means that i think about 95 percent of compostable coffee cups are still ending up in the regular bin which then goes to landfill right um so the best thing that you can do is just use a reusable coffee cup just a keep cup that you have at the end of the bag you carry it around like you can have it you can have a personalized etc you can make it look um you know you know like as glam and as fashionable as you want but that's actually the best thing because then you're not actually you know you're not taking new material each time to have your coffee it's actually something that is generating zero waste you also feel a bit like I'm not. This isn't the reason for doing it, but you kind of feel a bit smug when you're using a keep cup. You be in the you be in the cafe and you're like, "Don't my mean girls just saving the fucking planet single handedly with the keep cup?" You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And is is there has anyone come up with the brand of keep cups like called Smug yet? Because they're mugs, right? Smug. Oh, oh my oh goodness! My God, <laughs> Fergus, Kevin, we're taking Kevin, it. Kevin, Kevin, write it down. <laughs> write it down. And I will say, right, I'm gonna hold my hand up here, here and say. Around the time of lockdown and the pandemic, you know, there was a period where people weren't taking yeah. the keep cups, right? I got a keep cup, I think, when I first moved 
into London, maybe 2017, 2018, PJ got it for me. And literally was using it the whole time. And then long time I stopped using it because people weren't taking it. And you look, I'm going to hold my hand up and say I didn't get into the habit of taking it back out once people started accepting them again. So let that be one of the changes that I make after today. The one thing I as well, I used to think when, when it said compostable, I was like, yeah, if it doesn't make it into the compost bin, it's still compostable, so it'll just break down in the normal landfill, but that's not the case. It needs to go through a special process. That's I, I didn't know that, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, you know, and all these all these things are you know, they're actually more complicated than you think you will be, you know. And another example of that would be, you know, like the, um, you know, the single use vapes now that are all the rage now, right? And you would have, these would have been in, in the news a lot recently. Remember um, Electric Picnic, I think they tried to ban their, or they tried to ban the, the retail of them on site. I don't, I, like, I don't think it banned them being brought onto the site, but certainly the retail of them. And one of the reasons for that is because like, when we think about like we're trying to live a more sustainable society and electric vehicles are part of that future right you know those huge batteries that sit uh, you know in the in the engine essentially of an electric vehicle there's lithium in those batteries and that's the same lithium that is in you know the tiny little batteries that are in the um in the electronic cigarettes right and so the thing about lithium and other metals like that, like they have to be mined out of the ground because we're not very good at recycling them currently. So it makes it makes no sense that if you if you have an electronic cigarette where where those metals are already sort of, you know, they're already in circulation, like to actually throw that away and to throw it into the bin, knowing that we need that material to put into into our electric vehicles. You know, it really it really does highlight, you know, a, you know, the simple act of saying, right, I'm not going to put this electronic vape into the bin i'm going to put it into the blue battery box or technically in ireland right as a retailer if you sell electronic vapes you are obliged also to take them back in from the customer so well, that's technically good that's good to technically know. you are right oh technically okay but don't be going in being like take if they have to take them they have to take them bring them back in girls yeah you spoke there fergus about choices right and just you know making better choices I, we're both big advocates for brunch, right? Myself and PJ. <laughs> We've essentially built a brand off of brunch. We have, yeah. Really. Yeah. And like one thing that I suppose we always go back to is the avocado, right? And we know like we're not growing many avocados in Ireland. Is there something to be said for making better choices when it comes to just like going to the supermarket and, and buying your bits for the week? Oh, absolutely. You know, like buying local is absolutely key. You know, the more the more sort of fruit and veg that you can, you know, that you can buy that is grown locally, the better all around. Because like, if you think about, you know, if you go back to the air miles and the size of the carbon footprint to transport, you know, vegetables from the other side of the world all the way over here, whereby, you know, like we could, you know, like eat vegetables that are, you know, grown up the road and stuff like that. And Ireland is is such a rich pr- um producer of agricultural produce you know like small small little choices mm-hmm. and that now now like i'm not saying that you know we all need to you know give up avocados straight away or anything like that but just be like right you know rather than having you know one every day maybe i'll mix it up a little bit and you know pick something yeah, else kind instead. of over them anyway they're kind of I'm over a, are they I'm a small bit over them, i'm over them. girls you heard it, they're gone they're out like they're over you know let's move on to the I, next I had thing a friend there she was making um an avocado chocolate mousse when I was, I was vegan, a they, all, they, all they did was make mousse out of avocados when I was vegan. That's all they did. So I think takeaways from this section is get your keep cup, girls. We're going to get back on the cups and we're going to be smug. And also, we'll be doing grandma and branded ones, but we'll talk about that. Well, we keep calls. saying that. Can some person who looks <laughs> after making merchandise and looking after sustainably 
of yeah. order sustainably can they get on yeah. to us and then if you see someone with a vape smack them in the face no I'm joking don't do that <laughs> but if you see someone with a vape be like girl either get a reusable or um, don't be throwing away your lithium there was a girl recently on this morning she was only I think uh, 16 years old I saw that north, and she she didn't have a vocal cord left in her and she hoofing the vape. the vape yeah and she had to go for like an operation on her now I'm not a Dr. Fergus I'm going to say bronchial <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> why not they're really doing damage with the vapes like and I know like, we're kind of living in a culture where it's like oh yeah. the cool girl's vape etc my housemate went as a vape for Halloween as a last Mary but also <laughs> lads we're gonna have to calm it down yeah and like bring man, back don't... smoking regular cigarettes no, I'm completely no, kidding no. I'm completely <laughs> kidding I'm completely kidding and then the third one is shop local shop local exactly yeah right Fergus so another thing that we want to guess some knowledge on is biodiversity, right? Biodiversity is a big, broad term that, again, <laughs> almost seems a bit scary. What is biodiversity? What is wind? <laughs> but we want to know ways in which biodiversity is serving cunt in our next yes. section that we've aptly called Serving Biodiversity Cunt. Take it away. Yeah. <laughs> Like one one really good example here is like is pollination, right? If we if like if we think of like a lot of the a lot of the foods we eat, and they reckon about like three out of every out of every four bites you eat, right? A pollinator has played some role there. So things like bees, butterflies, oh, moths, wow. insects, all of those. Um, sure. What I didn't know is we have we have I think it's a hundred species of bee in Ireland. You know, so everyone knows the bumblebees, oh. and then you have honeybees. I know, and so. then I think you've just got loads of different types of solitary bees and stuff like that. But there, there are a huge amount of bees in Ireland, and we need them for for pollinating things like apples, like strawberries, uh, like blackcurrants, peppers, courgettes. All of those need bees. Um, and a simple thing that you can do actually on that is, um, you know, those packets of like wildflower seeds you can buy, right? And babe, I'm addicted to them. I am addicted to them. And they look beautiful. Continue. Yeah, they're amazing, right? And they're, you know, like they're fairly cheap and you just put them in a pot. Or, or I actually think they quite like, you know, soil that is, um, uh, you know, that isn't the most kind of fertile because that means it's actually easier for them to sort of take a hold in there because, you know, they're not competing with other species and stuff like that. You know, you'd often, you'd often see them growing, say, if uh, like on the side of a building site and stuff like that where the soil has been exposed. But those are just like absolutely brilliant for bees and like they're really, really helpful uh, for pollination. Another thing that humans in particular are really dependent on biodiversity for are things like medicines, right? Penicillin came from a fungus originally. That's how it was discovered, kind of kind of by chance, really. And that, uh, that turned out to be a really important antibiotic. You have things like morphine and codeine come from, come from the opium plant or the poppy plant. Um, things like aspirin comes from willow originally. And while a lot of these now in... Um, say like in the developed world a lot of those medicines are kind of manufactured right in factories and pharmaceutical plants and stuff like that but that's not the case um elsewhere in the world you know like a lot of the developing world um and developing nations are are, are a lot more closely linked to medicines that are directly come uh, coming from plants you know and and it's and I, sometimes i think that we can forget that when we you know because it's very easy to to look at a tablet in your hand and not see the nature behind it whereas if you're getting like a crushed powder that is actually coming from a plant say then you're you know then the link between you and biodiversity then that has that has provided the chemicals that are in that medicine is a lot stronger you know so so there so biodiversity really is incredibly 
important for human f- physical health, but also you, you have the whole mental side, you know, the whole, yeah. whole mental so side. So if you're dying from a hangover and you're popping a codeine, you need, I, don't, I know you're not endorsing <laughs> that, but like you need to thank the biodiversity, you know what I mean? Will you tell us a bit about the female octopus in nature who is giving the men a run for their money she's been a bit of an icon i can indeed so like i guess one of the ways of biodiversity is so like spectacularly beautiful and so like intriguing is is um and i think you know this is where my heart kind of goes because like if if we continue to sort of uh uh kind of manage biodiversity in such a way that it's decreasing you know like we're going to miss out on some like absolutely fantastic species that are out there and how they live their lives so there's there's a there's a species of of octopus called the argonauts right and in the case of the argonauts the female is like 10 times the size of the male right which is which is which can happen in nature so it's called sexual dimorphism whereby one sex is much bigger than the other sex um and often during mating in that particular um octopus the the male can either get squashed by the female or just eaten by the female, right? So he... I love it. Love to see it. I love it. We live for feminism. We live live for feminism indeed. So in order for the male to survive, right, he's he's developed this kind of quite weird way of reproducing, right? So his his eighth arm, right, is... um, it's essentially like a penis that moonlights as an arm, right? So it's called a hectocotylus, right? Secret willy. It's a secret willy. So he's basically, he's, okay. he's saying, right, I don't need eight arms. I need seven arms and one sort of weird penis arm, right? Secret willy. And what he does is, right, he he, um, he basically kind of like approaches the female, maybe when she's busy doing something else, right? And uh, he basically just kind of, kind of... Uh, puts the secret willy in and then wrenches it off uh, and then scuttles away to safety, right? So he literally like sacrifices himself at the altar of love and, you know, legs it out of there. But then, I th- you yeah. know, like one of the things that, that is most fascinating about this is that the female still holds the power because the female uh, can uh, hold many penises um, at any one yes. time, waiting until the time is right for her to release her eggs. Um, and it's it, I, like, I think it's just a fantastic example of, you know, how biodiversity has has evolved in order to survive yeah. in some of the yeah. in some of the strangest ways out there. Like I think Ireland is actually still playing a role, you know, like in the biodiversity crisis. So like I was actually in college with a guy, right, who rediscovered a species uh, over oh, wow. o- o- over in Colombia. So um, himself and his now wife back in 2011, they were I think volunteering at um, in the jungle in Colombia and. Uh, and one evening they went downstairs, I think, and uh, and up on the balcony was this this. It kind of looked like a small fox, I guess, right? Um, so they just started yeah. taking pictures of it and stuff like that. So it was it was about the size of a rat, but it was kind of orange, right? And they were and it was just kind of it was just kind of hanging. Yeah, it was like really really cute. It was a it was a really really a cute ginger rat. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And it was just like chilling there with them for a couple of hours, I think. And they took loads of photos, and then but they didn't really think oh. anything of it. Then the following day, they were showing the photos to. Uh, I think someone else at the camp and then um and they were like we've like we've never seen that species before so they sent those those photos to i think one of the natural history museums in colombia and they came straight back to them and they were like we've been looking for this animal for years and years and years that is a red crested tree rat and we haven't seen it in 90 years i'm googling it right now red it's a red crested tree rat and it hadn't been seen in 90 years and it hasn't been seen since so, what? so cute 
When you said rat, now to be honest, I was kind of going, oh, I don't know, does it sound cute? It's and it gorgeous. Hasn't been, it's dope. It's so cute. And it hasn't been seen since. No, so all of those photos that you're looking on your phone right there now, they were they were all taken by my buddy Simon on that on that one particular night in Colombia. Oh my God, yeah, because it's all in Spanish. Exactly, well. yeah, yeah. A fellow... And he's from Cork. Yeah, so he's from Cork. He's a teacher down in Middleton now. And uh, I'm dead. A, fe- a fella from Cork just randomly discovering a red-crested tree rat. I bet you. I bet you. He went to Colum. Oh, he did. <laughs> well, no, he's a he's a Middleton boy. I went to Colum. Yeah, I, I hear. I hear. No, I yeah, knew. I it. hear a little bit. Are you a little bit jealous, Kev? About all the success Colum had at the Young Scientist. No jealousy here. But let me tell you, this is some operation happening down in that school. They are turning out the scientists. I think. I feel like they're forcing you into it. Is are they? Uh, do you get any choice for the leaving cert, or do you have to do science? Yeah, we just do like twelve subjects of science. That's all we do. Irish out the window, English yeah. out the window. It's just science. Making up new scientists. Just science is just for us to take exams <laughs> in it. You know. If we were to give, because I'm like for myself as well, like for a takeaway for this section, you know, I love a takeaway just to warn he you. He loves a takeaway. Yeah. Progress. <laughs> Like and it, he loves like, normalising things for Argus. He's got, if we were what, to, if what we, we're doing in this episode is we're normalising science and biodiversity. If we were to normalise biodiversity, no, if, 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 if I wanted to do like a takeaway, like one thing I could do now going forward that would help the biodiversity in my area, I know I could do the wildflower seeds, which I've been do, I did last year, which I can't wait to see. Even though I moved house now and I'm going to see the spoils of my biodiversity. But anyway, what can I do around my area that, that would help my local biodiversity? Hmm. So there's one, there's one interesting option here. Um, you know the barn owl is at the top of the uh, of the late late show. You know that you know that I think but back yeah, in the yeah, day yeah. we know it well. We know it well. So they um, they're um, previous previous there there's been really good. Um, they're actually increasing in number because a lot of people are putting in um, kind of nesting boxes for barn owls in particular, and uh, and their their uh, their numbers are really recovering. Now you need a you need a little bit of space for this, right? But you know the barn owl I think is one of those sort of like totemic kind of creatures of ireland and they're really beautiful like if you ever come across a barn owl at night like it's actually like it's beautiful but it's also kind of spooky because they're quite big and they're quite no bright, it'd be terrifying you know? I, I think i would be terrified yeah <laughs> yeah and the rotating neck would send me into a spiral but i'd imagine it's also gorgeous it's apt yeah. they're also kind of giving farby vibe so i kind of be into them as well. yeah, i think but, they'd be cute but also they are brilliant for like pest control as well yeah, oh, really? yeah, 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 yeah. So, I like, knew that actually. so one of the reasons that, um, or there's two main reasons essentially people are putting in these nesting boxes, um, but then alongside okay. that, there's a there's a tiny, tiny species of shrew, right? That's invasive, it arrived here about a decade ago and it's just proliferating all over the country. Uh, and uh, but the owls are going mad for it and they're catching loads and it's oh, allowing brilliant. their numbers to increase. So, yeah, there's one so little takeaway. Do yeah. a nest. So if I had room, I could do a nesting. Box. If you had, if you, if box. you had, yeah, if you had a bit of room. Now they're not the most straightforward things to do, but you know, like okay. wildflower is definitely straightforward. Helping owls. We'll do the wildflower. A bit more space. And and I'll do, yeah, okay, okay. Also, Great, I have foxes out in my back garden, Fergus. I'm not sure if I'd have space for the owls too. I'd know what the foxes and the owls be getting on. I wait. What is it? The owl, unless the owl and the pussycat, they get on well. Yeah, they're both. They're, 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 they're both creatures of the night. I'd say they. I'd say they'd get on just fine. I'd say. Now, they're grand in the grand scheme of things, but they've definitely been stealing a few of my drock straps when I put them out in the washing line. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so they're gay foxes. Right. Okay. So, um, as we've established, the world is in a climate crisis, right? And we're not saying we should give up. We're saying we, we shouldn't give up. But if we were to have to flee the earth, we have done some investigatory journalism and we've looked into <laughs> other planets um, and we were trying to find out which could be planet B. 
So we've we've looked up the different planets and seen their different attributes. And now we're going to decide on if we were to flee Earth, what planet would we go to? Okay. Um, for your job here, Dr. Fergus, is to um, fact check. <laughs> grant, grant. Yeah. Okay. This is an absolute last resort, obviously. You know the people who be saying, oh, so we can just go to another planet. First of all, to those people... Have you ever just moved house? I was just. And you know how stressful it is to move <laughs> yeah. house, right? Imagine picking up all your shit and, moving and having to go to another planet. Do you know what I mean? You it's traumatizing. Mean? Not to no. mention getting on a rocket ship. Although would the rocket be kind of fun? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Actually, no, my, my ears, my ears popping. My plane, ears, God knows babe, what yeah. way they're going to be yeah. in outer space. We'll go through the planets from closest to the sun to farthest. Fergus, do you have any good mnemonics for remembering the order of the planets? Oh, uh, or do you just know them because you're a bit? <laughs> Let's go with the latter. I I don't know a mnemonic off the top of my head. Did any? Does anyone? Anyone watch uh, Drake and Josh? Anytime yeah. I try and think of the planets, I just go to the song in Drake and Josh, and it's I saw Mercury, saw Venus, I saw the Earth. It's not a mnemonic, by the way. It's just, just saying... I saw the Earth, then Mars. I forgot that Pluto was no longer a planet. Yeah, Pluto got the boot. Why did it get the boot? It just, they just because it was too small. Let's go through the planets now and give a few pros and cons for living on each, right? Okay. So, Mercury. I'm not usually loving Mercury. I'd imagine because it's closest to the sun as well, UV rays, really etc. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And especially as a girl who's into her skincare, wouldn't be too too, too fond of it. <laughs> How do you feel about Mercury, Fergus? Yeah, I think... Any growth? Uh, I think you'd need, like, factor 100 uh sun cream okay. anyway it's gonna be pretty hot pretty pretty close to the sun there so yeah yeah that that, that wouldn't be my first choice either i have to say yeah wouldn't be mine either next one venus i think i want to live in venus it's giving feminine it's giving lady gaga it's giving venus you know now, my planet. only qualms with venus is a day on venus is longer than an entire earth year what so imagine if you were having a bad day then is it? You know what I mean? No, Fergus, I need to fact check this. Um, I think it is, but honestly, I think I I think the big draw uh, to to Venus is uh, wouldn't everyone on it have like really smooth legs? You know, I'm your I'm your Venus, I'm your I'm your <laughs> yes. fire, your desire. Like everyone, yes, 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 really yes, really yes, smooth yes, legs. Yes. So yeah, that's up there for me anyway. The rays are planets. Yeah, Mars. The gravity on Mars is thirty seven percent less than it is on Earth. So you can jump three times higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, if for anyone who hasn't seen that movie, The Martian, that was actually, you know, the one with Matt Damon where he's, he's, on, he's on his own on, on, um, on Mars and stuff. That was actually a brilliant movie, but also like quite scientifically correct. Like the advisors they oh. had when they're putting that movie together, um, I think did a brilliant job about trying to portray what it would actually be like to try and survive out there, you know? Mm. All right. And realistically, of all the planets... Mars is probably the one that'll be best suited to supporting human life, right? And they found like traces of water on Mars at some point as well. Yeah, so they're looking like they're looking kind of at sending perhaps like one way missions to Mars, uh, you know, within the next kind of few decades and stuff. One, one way. way, that's the issue now, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you'd, wa- you'd want to have your business uh, kind of done with Earth. You want to be over Earth if you're going yeah. to go on the one way, on the one way mission to Mars. Jesus. Uh, because, but, you know, but I mean, how, like, how, you know, like once you land on Mars, how, how are you going to get yourself off it, you know, and back to Earth? Think of, what, think of all the fuel you have to carry. Get back in the spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then I don't know, get a get a lift off someone off off Mars or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know I mean? sure. Surely there'll be someone out there. Like there is. Do you believe in aliens? Just quickly. Um, I 
think I'd like to think there's something out there, yeah. Oh. I do too. I believe in them as well. Right, so next up, right, Jupiter, no solid surface. So really there'd be nowhere to land. But also the 76 moons and myself and PJ are moon girls, Fergus. Now, would 76 moons make us a bit crazy? Crazier, is it? Crazier, correct. <laughs> also, I, I'd feel like I'm cheating on our moon that we had. Like, imagine like a moon that has stuck by me since I was born. And then I just take on and know there's 76 of them. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Like, no, I, I'm going to stick by our moon. Luna. Yeah. How did the tides work there? If the 76 moons... How did the tides... Is water just going like this? <laughs> Water's playing all over them. We're well, water's sort of involved. Now, right, I, I want to get to Saturn because Saturn, I think... I know you said you like the sound of Venus. I think Saturn, with its rings, let's call a fact a fact, is serving the most cunt with the rings. Saturn's the most stunning. Was it, does, isn't Saturn one of the places that would crush us, though? Yeah, but B, B, I'm thinking in terms of optics. Aesthetics. Okay, aesthetic-wise, obviously. And then we could all, like, we could adapt the rings into our we fashion We can figure sense. out the, the, like, the actual practical implications of, like, being crushed under pressure and stuff afterwards. Uranus, we wouldn't be able to last the day. There'd be too many gay jokes the whole too time. Too many gay jokes. Like, it'll be... It'll I'm be already over it, and we're not even yeah, living I'm over, there. Yeah, I'm over that. Neptune. Any appealing factors for Neptune? Yeah, like, so mm. on Neptune... um. The whatever's going on with the atmosphere on Neptune, they reckon um, that it's actually raining diamonds on Neptune, right? What? Like just like, I love it. Just like absolute bling going on on Neptune. So they think the they think there's so much methane in the atmosphere. So methane um, uh, contains carbon. That there's so much methane there, and the pressure is so high that I think the carbon atoms are essentially are being forced together under pressure. Which if you if you have enough heat and temperature and pressure, um you uh you can make diamonds and they <gasps> you know now this is all theory this you know you know but this is what they say okay. but it's yeah they reckon it could be literally raining diamonds on neptune which uh i think is a, a strong strong contender for a planet b that is a strong contender but then i'm like if it's hailstone i get a bit it, it hurts you know so i'm like obviously but if, if you're going to die I suppose under a storm, of diamonds, a storm of diamonds is the campus way to go yeah yeah i agree yeah, okay. It sounds like a music video the way the way we're depicting it. Oh, and then Pluto, but Pluto's not a planet, so we can't go Pluto's there. Pluto's not, not a planet, planet, God love her. She's not a planet. Yeah. Also, it's the coldest, and I feel like if it was the smallest, I'd be a small bit claustrophobic. You, you and as mean? well, imagine if you if you went there with someone you didn't like, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, I can't get away from it. <laughs> get me off Pluto. this planet. <laughs> Do you know what exactly. I mean? But, obviously, none of these are a viable option. Yes, I don't know, but like, because like we're meant to live on Earth, like that's why we're here. Obviously, because you were telling me that Earth's like a Goldilocks planet. What does that mean? Exactly. Yeah. So Earth is in this Goldilocks zone, essentially. So it's not too hot and not too cold. And a key thing about Earth and the fact that it's not too hot and not too cold is that water here can exist in its three states: so solid, liquid, and gas. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely crucial for life as we know it. You know, there's no life without water, yeah. essentially, as we know it. Um. So that's what I mean by the Goldilocks zone. And so when like if we are if we do ever need to leave and stuff like that, like a big thing that astronomers do is looking out for like potential planets elsewhere, you know, that could, you know, um, and what they're looking at for there are planets that are like roughly the same size as ours and roughly the same distance from a star you know from their own sun okay. essentially and that you know those are are some of the key things that you'd be trying to replicate in terms of this goldilocks zone but 
I think one of the one of the most fascinating things, like if we think about, you know, the mark that we as a species are leaving on our planet, right? And say if we if we do yeah. ever leave um, in millions of years, and say if we were ever to come back, and you know, to be like, you know, did humans live here? One of the thing, one of the markers that we're that we're leaving behind, right, is a thin layer of chicken bones on our planet right what? so we're what? you know you can you can look at art and high culture and you know podcasts and, every, yeah. and everything like that but the thing that's going to be preserved in the rock record right uh, is a thin layer of chicken bones because we're eating 60 billion chickens a year right and the modern <gasps> the modern God. chicken right is actually um is actually relatively new so it's only in the last couple of thousand maybe a few hundred years that loads and loads of chickens that are all pr- pretty much identical are being eaten but then all of their carcasses are being discarded in landfill, right? And that's leading to, oh you know, God. essentially the fossilization of chicken bones in the rocks. So, you know, if anyone comes back and they'll be like, who who had this planet? You know, it was it the planet of the apes or was it the planet of the chickens, yeah. you know? It'll be the planet, everyone's going to be like, the chickens were here, not the humans. But also, would I prefer that? Because, like, the more we talk about it, the more mortified I am for us. Because, like, imagine now in, like, thousands of years when they look back and they go those stupid humans had this gorgeous planet and they just ended up killing it you know what i mean i'm actually embarrassed well 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 they'd blame the chicken <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe this is maybe this is a big ploy just to just to blame a different species but you know yeah you know, that's they reckon you know like one of the one of the big markers that we leave behind but like there is you know there is there is still absolutely hope out there. And like one of the things about us as a species is like we have we have collective effort. We have a collective conscious mm-hmm. and the power like really, really is in our hands. And I think human ingenuity, human intelligence, human invention um, and also individual choices of people living their own lives more sustainably like those really those really are the answers. So while while there is a stark reality to face there is still very, very much hope there as well. Exactly. And I feel, even talking to you there now, I feel way more empowered. It's just it, it, like, it's a very cliche thing to say, but like knowledge is power. Like, so the more I knew there, like you, I'll be able to make more conscious decisions now in my day to day, just from this talk, you know? So it's really good. If someone wants to find like more, because I'm, I'm kind of a bit like, I feel a bit more like I want to learn more and read more. Where would you find information now, like that? PJ won't use these resources. He's going to go to TikTok, but let's hear them anyway, <laughs> please, Fergus. No, I'm entering my reading era now. You're not. I you am. keep that book by the bed for optics. <laughs> <laughs> so one, like a key, I think a key place that people could go to is you know science week is happening in november um all across ireland and it's in the middle of november and so research centers like mine you know the the icrag research center that i work in and and universities and you know there'll be there'll be science festivals all 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 over the country happening and they'll all be exploring this big question of what it means to be human right what it means to be human in an age where artificial intelligence has arrived um where we have sustainability issues, where we have the biodiversity crisis and what role we can play as in humans. So if you just Google Science Week or you go onto the Science Foundation Ireland website, there are hundreds of events that are taking place 
all over the country in the middle of November for a week where you can meet scientists, where you can have conversations about scientists, about sustainability, where you can ask your questions. And really a big thing that we're trying to get out of Science Week is all about just having conversations about science and people being competent enough to to take part in conversations because science is it, it is everywhere and it is for everyone. And um, yeah. mm. so there, there, yeah, there are events all over the place. So if you just Google Science Week or the Science Foundation Ireland website, you'll find all all really useful and really interesting and, and exciting events there to go to. Fab. Would I be right in saying you're trying to normalize science? Very much. Very much. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. We're trying to normalize science, girlies. Get out there and start Googling. Oh, honestly, Dr. Fergus, you're a legend. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Fergus, your passion for science is infectious. I it was is. always into science in school as well. I was a BT young scientist contestant myself. It's Did been you an win? absolute pleasure. I didn't win. It came highly commended, though. <laughs> yeah, Clash to Column 1. For an it? experiment on DNA ex- extraction. They did the bastards! And they received a, fel- a load of help. <laughs> As a fellow Corkonian, you need to sign off the podcast with us. So we just sign off by saying bye loads of times, like your mammy used to say to you on the phone. You ready? I'm ready. Bye, 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 b